At the theater, more than the movies come to life, movie lovers march in and skip the line with digital tickets to the latest movies on the free Fandango app, ready to grab some snacks. Pick me! And head to the best seats in the house for a night of romance, terror, and quality family screen time. Visit Fandango.com or download the app today for your ticket to the movies. All right, welcome to Bet the Edge. I'm Jay Croucher here with Drew Dinsick. Uh, today we're going to talk about the three primetime week one NFL games right around the corner. Drew, let's start off with Lions Chiefs. Opening night, Thursday, 8 p.m. Eastern on NBC. Uh, Chiefs, six and a half point favorites, opened at seven. Total opened at 54 and is still there. Spread started moving towards the Chiefs. A little bit got down to six, and now it's at six and a half again. Uh, what do you make of this one? Yeah, interesting market here. Um, there was a day in the middle of August, I want to say, where somebody came and scooped all the Lions sevens, and it was like, huh, <laughs> what? <laughs> there was no news, there was no uh reason, and it was like, you know, you got there, limits weren't even that high, so it was kind of confusing. I think we got our answer. Somebody had a good inclination that uh, Chris Jones was not going to be available for this game. And if you have not studied the um, uh, the depth chart for the uh, Kansas City Chiefs defense, they are significantly lacking in the pass rush department outside of Chris Jones. Um, so if you take that element out of the Spagnuolo defense and, you know, it was going to be tough for this Chiefs defense to generate pressure anyway, um, because the Lions have one of the better offensive lines in the NFL and they're very healthy right now. Um, you know, it was going to be a little challenging for the Chiefs to, to make an impact from a pass rush standpoint. Now, I now I don't really think uh, there's much hope at all without Chris Jones. And so I, I get it why the Lions were a uh, you know, a, uh, an early quasi hot side, so to speak. And I think this is probably going to close in the six range as people get, um, you know, kind of absorb this information and figure out this, you know, how that plays into this handicap. Um, I will tell you that the lack of a pass rush for the Chiefs here and what that means to me for this handicap is the likelihood of the Lions coming back in a second half from some sort of two touchdown type of score deficit is now more likely. Right. The Chiefs are going to have a much, much tougher time uh, putting away a comfortable lead. Um, And, you know, the flip side of that equation is, well, how confident do you feel that they'll get a comfortable lead? This Lions secondary and particularly their matchup against Travis Kelsey is brutal. Uh, I think they're going to absolutely struggle in both facets of the um, uh, of the defensive side of the ball. The run game uh, for the Chiefs looks like they'll be able to provide some balance here. Um, but the passing game especially, I think, is going to be pretty electric. I do not expect Mahomes to be under much pressure in this contest. And I think, uh, you know, the Chiefs getting out to say something like a 28 to 14, 28 to 10, 20 to 17 type of lead uh, as we head into the closing stages is, is a reasonable expectation of the game state. Um, and in that game state, uh, Lions coming and getting the backdoor cover uh, with some late scores because the Chiefs can't generate pressure. That now I get it. <laughs> like that actually sounds kind of right to me. Uh, and so I think if you can't find 
um, a flat six and a half and you want to bet this game, I think taking the over is not a crazy look. Um, it's possible that the Chiefs go just absolutely banana land and, uh, and you know, get into the 30s here. Um, and at which point uh, you just need the, uh, you know, the Lions to answer to the tune of 24. Um, so that's kind of my current thought on uh, how this ultimately plays out. Uh, and, uh, you know, the last X factor is just the weather. Looks like it's going to be pretty hot. Chiefs practice really, really hard in the preseason, so they're going to be more likely to be game fit than the Lions. Um, any of these uh, kind of you know handicapping angles really stand out to you as differentiating factors relative to market? Yeah, I think the most interesting aspect of this is the Lions have one of the more unique kind of team profiles of strengths and weaknesses in a while where they're thought of as this explosive offense and I think they will be an above average offense but they have a mediocre quarterback and effectively one wide receiver uh, at the moment in Amon Ross St. Brown who is one of the best wide receivers in the game but after him it's Josh Reynolds and Marvin Jones Jr. but I think the thing there that biases perception is that yeah Jared Goff isn't great in isolation but Jared Goff behind an elite offensive line uh, and when he's not exposed to the elements, he's actually a very solid quarterback. Uh, and beyond this game, yeah, I think the key thing for the Lions season, or one of the key things, is that they're not exposed to the weather nine of the last 10 games uh, in the season. <laughs> so that is really key for Goff, uh, who does not like the cold, Jared Goff. Uh, so... In terms of this specific game, uh, yeah, I don't think the the Chiefs are going to be able to get much pressure. I do think the Chiefs, it's a little underrated just because of how much attention the offense gets and all the focus on the defense is on Chris Jones. But in Snead and McDuffie, they do have a couple of, I think, pretty capable cornerbacks. And if they're able to to blanket Monroe St. Brown uh, and it's Jared Goff on the road throwing to, to Josh Reynolds uh, and Marvin Jones Jr., then perhaps that's uh, not what you want as a Lions fan. But I think this line, I mean, nothing stands out to me is particularly wrong about six and a half. Do you think the total of 54, just given the way that these offenses look set to match up, is that potentially too low? I think it is. And um, if you are listening, you know, if you're kind of contemplating the first part of that handicap and saying, well, you know, hey, if somebody was so inclined to go grab all the sevens, why didn't they bet the over also? Well, the limits were, you know, wildly different. You could have gotten 10K down on, you know, side in August if you wanted per pop in Circa, it, it, you know, offshore. Um, it's much tougher to do that in total market. Like if you really, really felt sincerely like this should be on the other side of 55 or 56, um, your best uh, strategy is to just wait wait, wait, you can actually even make small bets on the under if you want to just kind of keep it right where it is before limits go up as we get closer to kickoff here. So um, if we you know, revisit this game on Thursday morning uh, next week and we see it across 55, 55 and a half even, uh, I'm not going to be surprised. I'm not saying I know somebody will go bet that, but uh, I, I think that you know, the, the – um, you know, just the market correction on the side uh, and waiting for the other shoe to drop here on the total, probably just need to see limits go up before that actually happens. Yep, that makes sense. Uh, and you raised the point about Detroit's secondary, and that's the other thing about why they're kind of an interesting team profile for a team that is the favorite in their division and the fourth favorite to win their conference in that, you know, they've got just the one star receiver alongside the mediocre quarterback, and then the defense doesn't look 
very good on paper. I do think there is some upside there because there is youth. Hutchinson got better as the season went on and he could emerge. It wouldn't be shocking if he emerged as one of the top 10, 12 pass rushes in the game. And then they do have, they just have more bodies, I think, in the, on the defense that, you know, could be upside players. Emmanuel Mosley's been activated off the pup list. He should be good to go. He's, I think, pretty solid when healthy. You know, Joseph and Gardner Johnson at safety. Um, we'll see with your boy Jack Campbell. Like, there are guys <laughs> there uh, who could ten, potentially... Ten tackles. Play. Jack Campbell in the tackle market. That's a, that's an automatic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, he's going to probably have to make a lot of tackles in this game as uh, Travis Kelsey uh, gets open in front of him. Uh, so, I don't know. I think there is potentially the pathway where this could be the 16th best defense and the sixth best offense. And and they just turn into a very solidly above average team and win the division at 10 and seven. Uh, but this is going to be a, a good test. Uh, and I think the fact that Chris Jones isn't there is, is very material uh, and yeah, pushes me to, to the over as well. For the world's greatest athletes. <laughs> This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. It's a world record again! Go for the United States! Unbelievable! And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this! How about that? An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics. This summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock. At the theater, more than the movies come to life. Movie lovers march in and skip the line with digital tickets to the latest movies on the free Fandango app. Ready to grab some snacks. Pick me! me! And head to the best seats in the house for a night of romance, terror, and quality family screen time. Visit Fandango.com or download the app today for your ticket to the movies. All right, let's uh, let's go to Cowboys at Giants Sunday night game, also on NBC. Uh, Cowboys are three and a half point favorites uh, at MetLife. The total is forty six and a half. It opened Cowboys minus three, uh, and the total of forty seven. Total's been bet down a little bit. Cowboys have been bet up on the spread. What do you think of this one? Yeah, I almost want to ask you first <laughs> because I am struggling to find a meaningful way into this game. There have been times this summer thinking about this game and once we knew it was the first Sunday night football game, you know, you're like, oh, this is going to get all the attention in the world. If there's an angle to bet here, we need to be early <laughs> because, you know, it's it's going to be, uh, it's, you know, everybody's going to be on this thing. But, um, you know, at times I have felt like this is a good matchup for the Cowboys defense and their ability to really kind of get their pass rush going against an offensive line for the Giants that I don't especially rate. Um, but on the other side, uh, you know, what Brian Dable was able to do to scheme, uh, you know, his group for, you know, Cowboys games last year, you know, that they they lose a game where they're favored going up against Cooper Rush, I believe, early in the season. Um, and then they uh, they got absolutely blown out on Thanksgiving, but backdoor covered with a touchdown inside the last 30 seconds. So I don't know that either of those is especially instructive about what to expect with this unit against the, the Cowboys defense this year. But, um, you know, the Cowboys defense, I think, is better 
year over year. The Giants offense is better year over year. Um, so it's going to be a, a, a kind of a draw uh, in that uh, regard. The, Cal- the Dallas offense, I think, is uh, the more intriguing unit here. Uh, we know Wink Martindale um, and the Giants defense relies pretty heavily on the blitz. Don't really think that helps in this situation because the uh, Cowboys offensive line, very, very good at handling blitz situations and Dak in general um, kind of has a couple of kind of obvious, I do this and I do this and I do this when I'm uh, you know, being forced out of the pocket. Uh, and so I think he's going to be just fine in terms of operating the offense here against the Giants defense. And then the Giants don't, you know, they leave their corners pretty much on an island. Uh, and say, you know, hey, cover, best of luck, guys. So um, the idea that they're going to match up well against Cooks and uh, and CeeDee Lamb in particular, uh, I take exception to. So uh, I can see the Dallas wide receivers here having a great game. I can see uh, the screen game with Tony Pollard being extremely effective. I would expect that the Cowboys try to play away from the interior of the Giants' D-line, which is very, very solid, um, and uh, really try to create situations where they can pick on the corners for the Giants, who I think are you know probably the weak spot in this defense. Um, all that said, this is still two teams that are super familiar with each other, uh, and you know there's this, there is surely going to be home field advantage in favor of the Giants as uh, you know you have a team and a you know a fan base that is super excited about their team. Um, so. Three, three and a half, I think is three and a half, I think is Giants or pass for me. Uh, and uh, the total sitting under 47 is just it's over or pass. Um, but uh, I don't know that I'm going to be playing. I think I'm going to be passing on almost every Cowboys over this year just because I have so much respect for this defense. Yeah, no, I'm uh, I'm with you there. I think with the Giants, I mean, as you mentioned, that defensive line with Lawrence and Williams and Kayvon is pretty uh, imposing. But the secondary outside of Adoree Jackson is as uh, a lot of question marks and maybe uh, some some not question marks, some some answers with exclamation marks. It's just not very good. Uh, and I think the Cowboys should be able to to score uh, at relative will like they did uh, in the second matchup last year, not having too much difficulty. To me, the most interesting, uh, I guess, element of the Giants' season in a way is what that offensive line is going to look like because Evan Neal was terrible last year. He was the (laughs) second-worst-rated tackle by PFF grade uh, Mm -hmm. in the NFL, and he was opposite uh, Andrew Thomas, who was one of the three best tackles by PFF grade. And so if Neal is not improved, then all of a sudden that offensive line is is a weakness and going up against Micah Parsons uh, is certainly not ideal. I think in isolation, or rather just overall, I think the Giants' offense should be fine. Uh, They bring in Darren Waller, uh, who looks uh, incredible, albeit off a small sample in preseason. And then they just have you know, 30 different wide receiver options where they have all these lottery tickets and between Slayton and Hodgins and uh, Paris Campbell and Jalen Hyatt and Sterling Shepard and Wondell Robinson, like some of these guys are going to hit and I trust that Dayball is going to make the right decision between those guys. So I think the offense overall will be fine, but yeah, I don't, I can't get involved on the the total or the line really at these current prices. Uh, I'll just be cheering Micah Parsons home to wreak havoc against Evan Neal uh, and get two and a half sacks and uh, and begin the march to uh, to Defensive Player of the Year. Um, what do you think about the Giants' upside this season? Do you think this is a team that you know can can get to 10, 11 wins and better last year, or do you think this is going to settle into an eight and nine type season? I. 
think they're going to be relatively straightforward to game plan against, at least to start the season. They don't really have multiple looks on offense. All of the wide receivers kind of fall into the same bucket in terms of skill set. And as we've kind of mentioned, if you can neutralize this pass rush, I think you can absolutely pick on the secondary. Um, so it's it's a team that I think can be schemed against so that when they go up against the elite in the uh, in the NFL and when they go up against good coaches, uh, the Giants, to me, are drawing dead. Um, when they play against some of the weaker teams, are, you know, can can they bring enough to the table in terms of, um, you know, using Daniel Jones in multiple ways uh, and, you know, using the strength of their uh, defensive line effectively? Sure. Um, I think you stew it all together and you look at the, the difficulty of their schedule, which is quite tough. Uh, and to me, it looks like the range of outcomes is 10 to 7 on the upside and probably more like 6 and 11, 7 to 10 on the downside. My median projection for them is eight wins this year. So. Um, I think they're going to take a small step backwards, although this was probably an eight-win team last year, if we're being honest. Yep. No, I think uh, I think that's a pretty reasonable breakdown. All right. Uh, before we get to Bill's Jets, uh, a reminder, today at 11 a.m. Eastern, Vaughn Dalzell, Brad Thomas, and Eric Froton are answering your college football betting questions for week one. All you have to do is tune in to our NBC Sports YouTube page to hear more of their thoughts on NBC's first Big Ten Saturday night game and much more. Uh, Okay, the last thing I'll say just quickly about the Cowboys is that I think there's this angst around their offense now that Kellen Moore is gone. But, I mean, when I watched the Cowboys offense the past couple of years, I didn't see, like, some ingenious scheming. It doesn't look like... I know the personnel obviously plays such a part in this, but... You look at Kyle Shanahan's offense with, you know, even Brock Purdy uh, or Andy Reid, the plays designed there, or Sirianni's offense. Like, those seemed much more revolutionary than whatever Kellen Moore was doing in Dallas. So, I don't know. It's a hard thing to just kind of test uh, in terms of just watching and being able to prove that out. But, I don't know, I don't think they're losing, um, you know, peak peak Bill Belichick coaching there. I think it's... uh, the skepticism around Mike McCarthy, uh, which I think is warranted from a uh, from a game management style, but that's not really impacted by Kellen Moore leaving. So I think that's a yeah. little bit overblown. I think the Cowboys' offense is going to be fine. I yeah, we're, you're speaking my language, man. Um, I think I would point to two indicators: guys like you and me who are doing content, not breaking down film, not you know, not in the in the war room. We're saying. Why in the world isn't Tony Pollard the featured back? What is going on? Yeah. If Kellen Moore didn't, if he if he didn't have the vision to know that himself, that's scary. If he didn't have the you know the the command of the room to say that we need to make this guy the featured back, that's scary. Um, and so I think ultimately that's kind of a, a concerning um, you know kind of part of his resume. Um, and then I will also add that uh, C.D. Lamb was one of, is one of the most dynamic athletes playing the wide receiver position in football, and it never felt to me like Kellen Moore got the most out of him in terms of what he was asking him to do on the field. Way too many times you have a guy like C.D. Lamb running back to catch the football. You know what you should not be doing with C.D. Lamb? Making him run back towards the line of scrimmage because he is absolutely the scariest guy with the ball in his hands if he has any kind of space, uh, you know, 10 yards down the field. And if you put C.D. Lamb in, uh, you know, a a Kyle Shanahan type of system, his yards after the catch is probably leading the league or close to it. So um, I do think there is upside for the Cowboys offense to take a step forward this year. And if you've been listening to us preview football for the last three weeks, that's a huge part of why I think that it's 
fair to be bullish on the Cowboys broadly. Yeah. Uh, when the Cowboys started putting CeeDee Lamb in the slot towards the end of last season, uh, and he was scoring deep touchdowns from the slot against the Eagles, then it started to get pretty frightening. Uh, someone in the league put it really well to me around talking about Kellen Moore in that guys like Sirianni and Shanahan, they create like offensive universes and they break rules. And Kellen Moore calls plays uh, and he designs good plays. Uh, but that was kind of the point of distinction uh, is that, yeah, there might be a little bit more going on in, uh, in a Shanahan offense, uh, as you might expect. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this. How about that? An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics, this summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock. There's no place like the movie theater. The smell of fresh popcorn welcomes you to a full body experience while candies and sodas compete for your attention. Hoping to join you in the best seats you've reserved on Fandango. It's where movie lovers buy tickets, pick seats, and double up on rewards points all online. All that's left is to walk in, snack up, and sit back. Visit Fandango.com or download the app today for your ticket to the movies. All right, let's talk Bills, Jets. Bills are two-point favorites at the Jets. The total is 46.5. This is the Monday night game. Uh, market opened at Bills minus one and has jumped up to minus two, albeit uh, given that you know we're not over around a key number or we're not going through a key number. It's not that big of a jump. The total opened at 47 uh, and has been bet down a little bit. Uh, I think this is a good, a good kind of... Uh, conduit into the idea of week one games being very much uh, a fact-finding mission in a way where, you know, the first thing that you notice if you just look at the board and look at all the lines in week one is that there's very rarely, you know, a 16-point favorite in week one because we just don't know enough about these teams to definitively say that the gap between them is that significant. Bills minus two at the Jets. Uh, I mean, when these teams face off next time, uh, I think the line will probably look different just because this Jets team, we don't quite know what it's going to look like. We don't know if Aaron Rodgers is going to be closer to the back-to-back MVP he was in 20 and 21 or the guy last year who, uh, in terms of EPA per play, was materially worse than Jacoby Brissett. Uh, so where is he going to settle in on that spectrum uh, we all know more, um, certainly after this first game, albeit not an easy introduction. What do you make of the line here? So if you've been following NFL Week 1 lines since the schedule release came out and the first Monday Night Football game was touted as Bill's Jets, this has actually been an interesting market to watch. Some of these are sitting at the same price. There's been like five bets written. This one has been all over the place. There were people who initially looked at this market and saw Bills as two and a half, three point favorites, depending on which you know which opener you were looking at, and said, "What? What? In what universe are the Jets not a pick'em in this game?" And they bet it down to a pick'em. 
some of the bigger, you know, some of the shops that were taking bigger bets opened the markets in the pick'em range, and it's gone one-way bills <laughs> since then. And so this is a wild, cool two-way market over the balance of the summer, which I actually think tracks pretty carefully with the general sentiment of Jets and Bills kind of as people are kind of digesting, wait a second, the Jets are a little bit of an incomplete picture on offense. Wait a second, the Jets have some serious questions on, on the offensive line. Wait a second, the Bills, we were kind of selling on them a little bit early just because the last time we saw them, they had a hurt Josh Allen and they were getting run off the field you know, against the Bengals in the playoffs. Um, so I think you know, the corrections that you've seen taking this back to what is effectively a Bills minus three, as you have to basically lay a minus 115 at any of the sharp shops here uh, in order to get your two and a half down, makes this a, you know, a, a pretty fair number by my, by my counts. Um, my median projection outcome of this game is Bills by three. Um, my median total for this game is significantly lower than the current total. Uh, so I think that there is absolutely an opening to bet the under. Um, I have bet the under. I think uh, the fact that it came off of you know 47 to 46 and a half and it's just been kind of sitting there is some of the same sentiment about that we were talking about of the over not getting hit in the KC game. I think that people are waiting for limits to come up on this one a bit, and I think the under will get bet down into the 44 and a half, maybe even the 44 range. Um, to me, as long as you are seeing a total, that is over 44 in this game. It is a bet to the under. Um, I have an enormous amount of respect for how well the Jets matched up against the Bills last year. I mean, granted, the second game was the game that they injured Josh Allen and they, they tore his UCL at the end of that game. Um, but you look at sort of the way that they were playing him when he was healthy, and it was impressive. Sauce Gardner matches up so well against Stefan Diggs that he's effectively a decoy. What is the, what are the chances you could turn Stefan Diggs into a decoy? Well, let's assume that uh, you know the Bills come into this game. You know, there's not much Stefan Diggs can do to get that much better to where he is now, and you know, beating uh, beating Gard, Gardner regularly. So I think uh, they're going to have they are going to have to self reflect and find other ways to get it done against this Jets defense. Uh, and I would expect that that is rolling out some of the new concepts, some of the new toys, some of the new personnel packages. Like that has been the entire drumbeat of the Bills offense all off season long. They are going to be more multiple. They are going to have more personnel packages. They are they're coming out with some heavies. Their run game is going to be revamped. All of this I do believe is going to catch, you know, to the degree it can. It could catch um, you know, the Jets defense and their coordinators by surprise a bit. Um, it's still a personnel disaster trying to match up against the Jets, no matter what offense you are. Um, but I think, uh, you know, the, the um, Bills prevailing 23-20 is my most likely outcome here. Bills prevailing, you know, and, and really the Bills defense, haven't even mentioned, they're at full strength. They were not at full strength really all year last year. Uh, Vaughn Miller, of course, the exception. Um, but they have so much depth in the pass rush, particularly at the edge, that I don't think that really matters for this particular contest. I think a guy like Leonard Floyd slides right in and does a great Vaughn Miller impression against this offensive line. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a fun matchup. It's a fun game. It's a great Monday Night Football opener. Like, I really don't think they could have picked a better game to open Monday Night Football. Um, New York is going to be rocking. It's going to be exciting. If this was on a neutral field, I would lay the two and a half, and I wouldn't even think twice. Um, but at current price, I'm having to pass on the side. Um, but at current total, I think this is still a pretty clean look to the under. Yep. The Bills, uh, 
compared to the Bills to, say, the Eagles, who I think were pretty similarly rated teams, you look at the Eagles' kind of team profile and they're just so even across the board where just every position group is an area of relative strength. And then you look at the Bills who have, you know, superstar quarterback, superstar wide receiver, elite pass rush, great safeties, but then, like, not a very good offensive line, serious question marks at corner. They need Tredavious White to be better straight off the bat. So I think this Bills team is is unusual in that, I mean, we've spoken about it before, but they were the clear Super Bowl favorite midway through last year before Josh Allen did his elbow. Uh, they closed two and a half point favorites in Kansas City and beat them. Uh, and then the wheels just kind of fell off between injuries. Uh, obviously, everything that they had to deal with, with the DeMar Hamlin situation, I think by the end of the season, that team was just spent. And that was, this is a team that closed, what, five and a half, six-point favorites home to Cincinnati. Uh, yeah. <laughs> game, a team that now in the futures market is rated almost their equal. So this is one where uh, if they start waxing the Jets, then I think nine to one to win the Super Bowl, uh, you might not see a price that big on the Bills for a while, uh, particularly given that the Jets least by market, are their biggest threat in the AFC East. And if you chalk up a road win over the Jets in week one, then all you have to do is, is you know, win your home game against them later in the year to secure the tie break uh, and also just get two wins up on them in the standings. So uh, I think I'm higher than the futures market on the Bills overall with the Jets. We will see the offensive line, I think, is a real concern there. What version of Rodgers we're getting. And I think Rodgers, I don't know if I was to set a line of where Rodgers is going to, to end the season as in terms of best quarterbacks in the league, I think it would be like nine and a half, that type of range. Does that seem about right? Uh, so I think that you know he's obviously going to be a significant upgrade over anything that they got last year. That defense is still going to be awesome. But the one other thing with the Bills and with this matchup against the Jets, I think a reason why the Jets played the Bills so well last year uh, is that Source just blanketed Stefan Diggs. And then Gabe Davis, which this doesn't get mentioned nearly enough, I think, in discourse around the Bills. Gabe Davis had, he was, I think, four for 89 on the touchdown in week one against the Rams. Week two does a high ankle sprain against the Titans. And it's just never right the rest of the season uh, and doesn't really miss time and just plays through it, but just clearly isn't himself. And yeah. everyone thought that he was going to emerge as the T Higgins to uh, Stefan Diggs' Jamar Chase last year. And he did in week one and then he got hurt. And then we just never really <laughs> saw it. And so I don't know why everyone is now so low on Gabe Davis. I think the fact they bring in Dalton Kincaid, who has, you know, more upside at the tight end position than mm -hmm. they've had with Josh Allen. Like this could be, this could be the best offense in football and close to the best defense in football. And this team could just be an absolute juggernaut. Uh, yeah. so I think that that, that is very live. Uh, and so why, I mean, if I had to bet a side, I would be taking Bills minus two, but yeah, I'm with you that uh, this, this, I mean, the market's had a lot of time to to stew on this mm -hmm. uh, to stew on this game and these lines. So it makes sense <laughs> to me, but uh, yeah, the Gabe Davis, yeah, the Gabe Davis angle. You're spending too much time around the fantasy community, man. That yeah. feels like fantasy football groupthink. It really does. Um, I will concede 100 percent that there are now more mouths to feed. Right, like targets are going to be distributed a little bit more broadly, sure. and there's going to be some changes to the scheme of this offense. We know. 
Um, but uh, yeah, Gabe Davis being just a complete non-factor would shock me if he is healthy. Um, interestingly enough, the Buffalo Bills as a truck potentially this year is very much in the cards. Um, the Bills are only at a disadvantage uh, offense versus defense three times. You want to guess which games? Both games against the Jets, I have them as a teeny, teeny, tiny minus. Uh, and then the game against the Cowboys. Every other game, their offense has an advantage over the defense in terms of personnel on the field, if healthy. Um, their defense, interestingly enough, has a huge advantage against the offenses they are going up against until week nine at Cincinnati. So like one of the potential storylines you're going to need to kind of keep your ear to the ground for is people just really reflecting on, wow, boy, did we overlook this Bills defense. Boy, did Sean McDermott taking over play calling and you know, you know grabbing the reins from Leslie Frazier. This is a whole new unit. The reality is just going to be that at full strength and full health, like there is just awesome personnel on the field for this defense. You mentioned Trey White. If he doesn't match up well against Garrett Wilson, I'll be very surprised. Trey White, when he was healthy pre-injury, was elite. You know, I think um, uh, if you did cornerback rankings in, say, 2019 or in 2020, uh, he would have been in the top five, almost certainly. And, you know, maybe the injury is Michael Thomas-esque and he never gets back there. Um, but uh, I would be surprised if he's not a, a, a very strong contributor at CB1. Their safety room is loaded. Uh, and you know, the pass rush has wave after wave of guys that they can bring in here. So maybe the only question mark is a couple of the players that they have out there at the linebacker position. So, you know, perhaps the jets can find a little, get a little bit going on the ground, but considering the run scheme that they're trotting out there combined with, uh, you know, the state of their running back room, I'm just not seeing it. So I think the bills defense has the potential to kind of rise in terms of market ranking, uh, between opening night and when they play Cincinnati week nine, um, if you just kind of take a current temperature of the Bills uh, defense, it's the second <laughs> about a second rated, uh, you know, but I think that's maybe more a reflection of who they're playing uh, early in the season. Uh, the market is, is on to them. They get Vegas week two, Washington week three, uh, and then Miami is the sort of the bellwether test for the Buffalo defense week four. So um, going to be a lot of fun to see if the Bills can uh, catch a little bit of fire, but um you bring up a good point where if they do look good, it will take, uh, you know, market makers all of 30 seconds to remember how they felt about this team this time last year. Yeah. And on the point on Tredavious White, to me, that's one of the most interesting things in just week one overall is what does Tredavious White do against Garrett Wilson? You know, we assume that's yeah. the matchup. Because if, if he's back to being peak Tredavious White and then Von Miller comes back as well, then this is the best team in football. Uh, <laughs> still some question marks over the offensive line, but uh, that team is is an absolute truck. Uh, and yeah, I think the two teams are going to be riding with this year in the futures market, uh, the Bills and the Cowboys. Uh, so we'd love that matchup in Vegas come February. All right, we are done. Don't forget to check out NBCSports.com for more information to help you with your wages. Thanks, everyone, watching on the NBC Sports YouTube channel. If you're listening to us in podcast form, please don't forget to rate and subscribe. And also a reminder to find all your favorite NBC shows on Amazon Music. Just head to Amazon.com slash NBC Sports. From Jay Croucher and Drew Dinsick, have a great weekend.